Welcome to the Semper Reformato podcast, spreading the word and contending for the faith. The word Christian has, in modern days, almost become a kind of pejorative term. Way back in the 1970s, when I was just married, uh, I bought myself a dachshund, a wee sausage dog. And I was really interested in them. I, I had several of them over the years. I'd love one now, only they've gone beyond buying in price. But um, I had several of them, and for a while we bred them. And they're lovely little dogs. And because I bred them, um, I was a member of a dog breeders club uh, in the North Down area. One night in a committee meeting of that club, there was a discussion about a post that had come up in a local dog breeding establishment, Kennels. And someone in the company remarked that they, they really didn't want a certain person to apply for this job. Uh, there was somebody who wouldn't be welcome. But because of the equal opportunity laws, obviously you can't exclude anyone from applying. And if they're the best candidate, you have to let them have it. And this was a great worry to these people who owned this establishment. So foolishly, and very foolishly and jokingly, I said, sure, that's not a problem. When you're advertising the job for the kennels, uh, the kennels is in North Down, so the best thing to do to fulfil the legislation is to advertise the job in the Tyrone Courier. That way, nobody in North Down will see it, and you can appoint just whoever you want, since there will only be one or two applicants. I was joking. But one of the members of the committee went off on a long tirade about Christians. He pointed the finger at me and he says, isn't that just typical of something one of those Christians would say? And immediately I thought to myself, not only have I let myself down here, but I have let the Lord down. Just by jesting foolishly, I have let the Lord down. And when he said the word Christian in that long tirade, he literally spat out the word Christian with such a vehemence that I was actually shocked. Now, that's not by any means an isolated incident. If you work in industry, where there are a lot of people who are ungodly, if you work, for example, in one of the public services, the police, the army, maybe the hospitals, and there are a lot of people around you who are non-believers, you will very often find that the word Christian gets spat at you, as if it's a bad word. They call you Bible bashers and Bible thumpers, God bothers, holy rollers, all sorts of things. Now, that's nothing new. Because here in the town of Antioch, the word Christian was originally used as a slur, as a nickname. Um, for following Jesus, 
there will be some people who will hate you just simply because you're a Christian. No surprise there, of course. That's always been the case. The hatred and persecution of Christians began just as soon as the church began. Acts 9 reminds us that even after the very first Christian martyr had given his life for Christ, a man called Stephen, Saul was breathing out threats and slaughter against the church. That was on behalf of half of the Jews, but the Romans were no better. The Romans hated the Christians. They described them, believe it or not, as atheists because they wouldn't bow down to the cult of the emperor. And so they slandered them and they persecuted them. And that's happening right throughout the world even today. The hatred and persecution of Christians wasn't just confined to the old Roman Empire. All over the world, wherever there are believers who walk with Christ and seek to obey him, there will be those who want to vilify them, those who want to torture them, and those certainly who want to make life as awkward for believers as they possibly can. And our politicians sometimes do it too. Many of the people who are elected to office are no friends of the Christian church. That's why there are so many attacks in the church. In the media, for example, years ago I had occasion, more than one occasion, to meet with the BBC to complain about the content of some of the local programmes. Met as part of a delegation. One of the particular programmes at that time that caused us problems was the programme called Talkback. This was long before the Stephen Nolan show. But I remember one day on Talkback, I was sitting in the study and I had Talkback going in the background and a woman commentator who still appears on the radio on a regular basis was on Talkback and she was talking about some moral issue where she disagreed with the church. And she was referring to Christians who took a, a, a biblical stance on this matter that she was talking about as Bible bashers. And she did it over and over and over again, talking about these Bible bashers. And I got so cross that I lifted the phone and I rang the BBC and I asked to be put through straight away to the director or the producer of that programme. And I got right through and I said to them, do you know, that's a disgrace. That woman has been saying that unchallenged now, right throughout that interview. No one has challenged her or asked her why she's calling simple Christian people who want to love the Lord and read their Bible and live according to God's word and God's standards. She's calling them Bible thumpers and Bible bashers and she hasn't even been challenged by the person who's doing the interview. And I pointed out to them that if they talked about Muslims like that, they'd be off the radio right away. But that's the way it is. And biblically, that has been always the case too. Because Jesus warned us that this was going to happen. In Matthew chapter 10 and verse 21, he says that brother will deliver up brother to death. Father, his child, children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. And you will be hated by all 
for my name's sake. So in our text, we have the very first incident of followers of Jesus being referred to as Christians. And it wasn't a compliment. They were pointing the finger, and like the person in the dog club that night, they were spitting out the word with vehemence. Christians. Christians. What I want to do for a few moments today is to ask the question, how did they know that these people were Christians? What made them different? I mean, there's something sometimes that you can just see in people. It's strange. I I was in a crowded cafe during the week one evening. And um, I I know you're not supposed to have crowded cafes these days, but if you go up to the North Coast, there's plenty of them. People are enjoying themselves, and they're enjoying cups of tea together, and they're sitting in crowds and cafes. I was sitting with my grandchildren, and these two fellas came down and sat at the next table, and... They were talking to each other, waiting for their food to come. And a thought occurred in the back of my mind, I bet you those two boys are Christians. There's something about them. The food came and was served. And one of them bowed his head and began to pray. And the other bowed his head with him. And I thought, yep, it was right. I don't know what it was. Somehow or another, I recognized them as Christians. But there was something about those early believers in Antioch that caused that nickname, that slur of Christian, to be applied to them. Now, when I was reading John Stott uh, a while back on this, he suggested that the reason for that was that they were always speaking about Jesus. They were always speaking about Christ. That the name of Christ was scarcely off their lips. And I think that that's one thing that you will immediately recognize when a Christian is in your midst. That their language and their conversation and their talk will be different than that of the people around them. They will really, really want to talk about Jesus. A Christian poet put it like this. I'm not ashamed to own my Lord or to defend his cause, to maintain the honour of his word, the glory of his cross. You see, whenever we are converted, our conversation is converted as well. It ought to be. In the Christian, there should be a marked change in the way we speak when we have been born again. The change in conversation is not confined to any age group either. I can't understand these days what a lot of younger people are talking about sometimes, but that's not because they speak a different language. It's because at my age, I haven't, I'm out of the loop. I'm an old fogey. But Christian youth, even will undergo a change in the way they speak at conversion. When Paul wrote to Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4, in verse 12, and he said, Let no one despise your youth. Be an example to the believers in word. Young people talking like Christians. Our conversation should be part of our witness for Christ. 
People read our speech because what we say and how we say it is a reflection of what's going on inside us. And if we're using inappropriate language or crude language, if we're using sexual innuendo or speech that is riddled with blasphemy, how can we turn round them and witness for the Lord? Our conversation and our conduct in Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 should be worthy of the gospel of Christ. And our conversations that we have in this world, and this is worth thinking about, no matter where we are, whether we're standing at the door here talking to one another, or whether we're in our homes or in our workplace, all of our conversations are recorded in heaven. Every word that we say is written down. It's a kind of witness statement. And one day we will give account of every idle word of God, every idle word that we have spoken. Our conversations are an example to those who are around us and to those who are young in the faith. And our conversation must be honest and holy. I was talking to to Colin earlier on before the meeting about politics and how statistics can be manipulated to make you believe things and how politicians self-confessedly deal in what they call smoke and mirrors, deception, to try and get you to vote for them and to believe that what they are saying is true and they carefully word all their statements and their press releases so that they can twist things in certain ways. In a world where dishonesty rules, Christians can never be involved in that sort of thing. A Christian should never be involved in smoke and mirrors. A Christian will be noted for being honest and truthful in all things. So these people looking at these Christians... I've heard something different from them. I've heard that the name of Jesus is constantly on their lips and not as a blasphemy. In fact, we're told in the same chapter that wherever they went, that they would scatter abroad, that wherever they went, they would declare the message of the gospel, preach the word of God, Bring sinners to the Saviour. That should mark us out as different, shouldn't it? When I was in the police back in the 70s and 80s, there was a man who served with me for some time. Um, And at one stage, I, I didn't know the man very well, but would have worked with him occasionally. One day I was surprised when somebody told me that he was a Christian. In fact, not only was he a Christian, but he was a prominent member of a local evangelistic association. That surprised me, because his conversation in the back of a Land Rover would not have been that of a Christian. And I was surprised when I heard that. Christian will speak differently, and people will hear it. 
and they will understand by that that there's something different, radically different in our lives. Now, the question for you and me tonight is, what do I talk about? These people were talking about Christ no matter where they went. They were telling others, first to the Jews and then to the Gentiles, am I talking about Jesus? I talk a lot about Christian ethics, quite a lot. I talk a lot about church matters, probably far too much. When I visit the homes of Christian friends, I talk about their church or our church or the church in general. I don't like talking about church politics, but I know there's plenty of Christians who love doing that. The challenge for me is... How often do I talk about Jesus himself? How often is the name of Christ on my lips? Hmm? People knew them because of the way they spoke. Because no matter where they went, they were telling others about Jesus. And the second reason, I think, is people know that we're Christians and can see it in our lives is because of the way that we live. It's not only our speech that's different, but our behavior as Christians is different. In Antioch, of course, the word Christian was a jest, it was a mockery, it was a jibe, it was a joke. Christians up to this point had thought of themselves simply as believers in Christ, as followers of the Lord Jesus, as his disciples, as the saints as brothers and sisters in the Lord. And their enemies, those who opposed them, referred to them pejoratively as Nazarenes or Galileans because those were terms that nobody would want applied to them. But at Antioch, they were called Christians. Antioch apparently was famous for this. I read in one commentary that the Emperor Julian had once visited the town. Julian the Caesar. And... um, of course, he was a man with a wee goatee beard, you know. And everywhere he went, they referred to him simply as the goat. The goat. I don't know how he would have, if he'd have found out that he'd been nicknamed the goat in Antioch, he might have had something to say about it or do about it. No, they were, they were famous for their nicknames there. The followers of Christ became the Christiani, the Christ ones. I think one of the best descriptions of that and explanations of that was at my daughter's wedding when uh, the minister who was preaching the sermon at my daughter's wedding some years ago at Albert Bridge um, was the minister of a church in Ahoko. And um, he stood up and he talked about being a Christian, putting Christ into your marriage and into your life. And he said, you know, up in a hockle where we come from, we know exactly what our Christian is. It's one of Christians. And that's true. Anyway, the name stuck. And the believers in Antioch readily took upon themselves the name of Christ, the slur, the name of shame. And they wore it as a badge of honor. And later on, people would be arrested for bearing the name of Christ. And they'd be charged for bearing the name of Christ. And they'd be executed simply for owning that name, for confessing to being a Christian. 
But in a more theological sense, the word Christian describes some amazing truth about the Christian's spiritual status. For it's Christ in us. See, a Christian believes that Jesus is dwelling within them through the Holy Spirit. A Christian believes in who Christ is, in the person and work of Jesus. And that involves the mind and the heart and the will. It involves hearing the truth for truth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and repenting of our sins and trusting Christ who died for sinners. A Christian Christian believes in the person and work of Christ. A Christian possesses the spirit of Christ. We are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 1, it tells, Paul tells us, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. A Christian believes in the person and work of Christ, in who he is and what he did. A Christian possesses the Spirit of Christ, indwelt by God the Holy Spirit. And a Christian delights in the command of Christ, someone who seeks to obey the Lord, to walk in his ways, to participate in the worship of the church, to learn Christian doctrine, to pray and to read the scriptures and to obey God's word, even when what we are taught in the Bible is the very opposite of what we learn from our university professors and our Instagram influencers and our Twitterati commentators. The demands and the commands of the Lord will come first. In Acts chapter 2, the Christians continue daily with one accord in the temple. They were breaking bread from house to house. They were eating their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. They were praising God. They were having favor with all the people. And because they were walking in accordance with the commands of the Lord, it pleased the Lord to add others to the church daily. So in Antioch, the name of Christian was the culture around them. The ungodly, unchristian, filthy culture of the world pointing the finger at God's people and mocking them for who they were. Why would we want to put ourselves through that? Why would we want to be pointed out? Why would we want people to laugh at us and say, Christians, look at them sitting there in their wee meeting. Why would we want to do that? Why would we want to bear the name of shame, the name of Christ? I'll tell you why. Because first of all, he bore my shame at Calvary. 
He took all my sin and all the shame and he bore it to the cross and there he took the punishment for me. And secondly, because Jesus tells us that to be ashamed of him is a serious matter. In Mark chapter 8 and verse 38, he tells his disciples, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father. We bear the name of Christ. We wear it as a badge of honour even though the world may mock us and pity us and laugh at us, we take his name. For at Calvary, he bore our shame. And one day, we shall stand before him. And as that same Christian poet said, then will he own my worthless name. Before his father's face, and in the new Jerusalem, appoint my soul a place.